It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Hopefully you had the opportunity to listen to Connie George's previous episode. We continue our conversation to learn more about her business in this episode. Connie George's quilt retreats sound like so much fun. Just make sure you take your stretchy britches. She has a goal of getting people together, having fun, and maybe even learning something new. Connie, thanks again for coming back to talk with me, and I'm looking forward to hearing about your businesses. Well, thank you for having me again. I think this has been a good way to connect with other quilters and other people and get my story out and listen to other people's story. I'm so glad you're doing this. Yeah, and it's great to hear that you connected with Ellen, with the Quilt Keeper. Yeah, because that was something I had never even dreamed of. So learning something about quilting from a non-quilter was just amazing because you just never know which direction your life's going to take. And then all of a sudden you're presented with an opportunity outside of your normal field to help somebody else. So it's been fun. I really enjoy this. That's great. Describe for me how you went from having quilting as a hobby and you started a business. Well, it's really kind of an odd connection. Of course, a lot of people have odd connections. When I started with my long arm, it was for Quilts of Valor and making patriotic quilts. And I had a lady that I had given one of the Quilts of Valor to. I think it was her oldest son was in the Marines, and we talked about making him one, just visiting one day. And she says, well, do you make other kinds of quilts? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I can make just about anything. I said, I've been practicing for years. And she says, well, have you ever made a T-shirt quilt? And I said, well, no, not really, but I've been wanting to try. I just don't have a lot of T-shirts. So bless her heart, she was a male lady. And her husband was really into Harleys. And one of the T-shirts that he'd been given was from Diamond Head, Hawaii. And she brought the shirts over with her husband. He says, what do you think you can do with it? And I said, well, let me see what I can do. And before I cut anything or do anything, I'll work with it for a day or two and then call you and let you know what I've found and have you come back over. So started looking at it and figuring out ways to do it. Got online, did a lot of research, how to do it. And it was just like all of a sudden it clicked. This diamond head t-shirt, I turned into a diamond shape, kind of like a 60 degree diamond. And then of course you have to use math, which I'm an accountant, so that's no problem for me, figuring out how to do the pieces that go around the diamond to make it into a square to put the other t-shirts around. And Harleys are usually black. Lately it's been orange for some reason. So I found some flame fabric, put it together with it, called them back. Before I started cutting, I just kind of folded them up into shapes. And they looked at that and went, how did you ever come up with that? And I said, I don't know. It just came to me. So they agreed what we would pay for it and what we would do with it. So I started cutting it out and getting everything ready. And I've never used invisible thread. 
ever. <laughs> it's like using fishing line, except it's finer. So we were talking about putting flame pattern on the quilt itself, but they didn't want to see the thread. They wanted to see the quilting. So a friend of mine that does long arm, she came down with some invisible thread, showed me how to use it. And that is one of the prettiest quilts I have ever made. It is just gorgeous because it's just orange and black flames and a black border and the Harley t-shirts. And that big diamond in the middle just sets it off. And I only had like maybe 12 or 14 shirts and we made it into a queen size and it just turned out gorgeous. So she was telling somebody else and had taken it to work to show her boss. And it just kind of, they she can do that. Oh, my stars. Well, do you think you'd be okay if I called her? The t-shirts kind of grew out of that because nobody around here wants to mess with them. It is kind of time consuming. It's kind of expensive. But what's the cost of a memory you can save? But it's a lot of word of mouth. And I thought, well, I can make all kinds of quilts. So I put it out on Marketplace on Facebook. And it was overwhelming the response I got. And people would call up and say, can you make me one with a star in the middle? Can you make me one, a log cabin or different types? And I had put some of the quilts I had made on there and it just started snowballing. And there for a while, I was a year out on just t-shirt quilts. So I took my ad off of Facebook for a while until I got caught up. It's just been amazing. Word of mouth is the best advertising you can have. And it doesn't cost you a dime. It is. So I don't advertise where I have to pay because then you have to charge more. But once I got into it, it was like I hadn't planned on going fully retail or doing anything like that. And it's all word of mouth. It's a very small town. But I've had people send me T-shirts from up by Kansas City, out from Denver. Just, what can you do with this? I'm going to send you a package. One lady sent me a comforter that was totally trashed, ripped apart, little balls of batting in it. I'm making three quilts for her out of this one comforter for her daughter's three kids. So it's just amazing how people talk about things both good and bad you know I hopefully nobody's ever said anything bad but you hear people saying oh she's wonderful she does a great job or I wouldn't hire her to make me a dog blanket so I always ask everybody when they pick up their quilts is this what you wanted are you happy did I satisfy what you wanted to do and they went oh yeah and I've never had a bad review thank you lord but I also put a lot of thought into what I'm doing. I'm not just going to make a quilt just because somebody says, here, make me a quilt. I want to know what they want, what they want the end result to be. And to me, that's important. It's like buying a car. I want it to be a certain car with all the features on it. Same thing with quilting. You don't just want a square of fabric sewn to another square of fabric just because somebody wants a quilt. You want it to be something they're going to treasure. And that's what my grandmother taught me. So I want to know, what do you want the end result to be? What do you want to see? 
what do you want it to do? Is this something you're going to use a lot? Is it something you're going to fold up and put in a box somewhere? And I always tell people, and I'm guilty of this, you got to label your quilts, period. My grandmother didn't. Now I'm trying at my age to go back and say, oh, gosh, when did she make this quilt? The double wedding ring I got hung up. I looked at it yesterday and thought, oh, this is going to need some repair because it's been, well, my grandmother passed away in 78. So how many years? 22, almost 44 years. Mm -hmm. So it's been in my cedar chest, a stupid place to be. But now that I've got it out, I want it to be memories. I want it to be something that I can look at and enjoy. And that's what I want people who come to me and say, I want a quilt made. I want it to be a graduation gift for my daughter, a wedding gift for my son, whatever it is. I want them to know that I take the time to really focus on what they want and not what I want them to have. To me, that's important. Yeah. The last time you mentioned that you had gotten an embroidery machine, do you use your embroidery machine to make labels? I haven't yet. My grandkids are involved in a lot of stuff for the fair, showing animals. I've got one granddaughter who's horse nuts. I mean, she has been showing animals for most of her little kid life, but she's been learning how to do horses. And this friend of mine from Illinois, B, has an embroidery machine. And she said, oh, Connie, you need to do this. So I did a pillow for my granddaughter. I'm still learning the ins and outs. And you got to make sure you turn it the right way because I tried with some days of the week tea towels. I had them all going sideways. <laughs> uh, trial and error, you know, it's the same thing with quilting. The worst mistake I ever made, I got a diagonal quilt I was working on. I had a block turn, a quarter turn. And it was like a star pattern. And all of a sudden, you know, you get ready to put it up on the frame. It's like, something's not right. So I looked at it and went, oh, man. So I had to take out like six rows, go into that block, turn it around, do it all over again. And one lady says, well, why did you bother? I looked at her kind of funny and I said, because I want it to be right. She goes, nobody else would have noticed it. And I said, no, but I would have. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want. I don't want somebody saying, Oh, well, she didn't even bother to fix that. So the embroidery that I'm learning from now on, I want to do labels for every quilt I make. So if I make a quilt of valor or a patriotic quilt, I can say, thank you for your service. I'd like to find their name out if I can. And this quilt was made with love by whoever, whether it's somebody else makes it and I quilt it or I make it and quilt it so that they know looking back what was going on and one of the best quilts i've made i hand embroidered a block on the back he was a marine told me his dates of service his ending rank and gave it to him at the church i was working at i presented the quilt to all the veterans there nobody else really cared about a label and i thought well this guy did because he was the chaplain in hawaii and he'd worked with the Marines for 30 years before he retired. And that was an important part of his life. And just to give him a quilt without a label didn't seem right. Now the block was probably 15 by 15 because uh, hand embroidery is not really tiny to me. So putting that label on there made it important to him too. 
So when his kids get it after he passes away, they can look at that and say, hey, daddy served in Hawaii. Remember when we lived there and we had, you know, so that to me is important, not only for the quilt, but for someone else to say, oh, so-and-so made this. Oh, that was Aunt Bertha's quilt. And I remember when she was in a wheelchair for so long and she'd quilt and sew and do all this fun stuff. But people have to realize that quilts are an heirloom. Yeah, you can have the quilt and throw it on the floor for the puppy, and that's important too. But when I go to a quilt show and see beautiful, gorgeous quilts that have spent two years in the making, I'm sitting here thinking, uh, I don't have the time. I wish I did. But getting something like that done, to me, is important to the person making it as well as to the person receiving it, even if you're making it for yourself. And unfortunately, I don't have a quilt I've made for myself in a long time. So I want people to see the embroidery and see what that adds value, just even emotionally, to the quilt. So that's one of the reasons I got the embroidery machine was to make labels for quilts. Mm -hmm. You know, it's important to do other stuff with it for me, but that was my whole goal was to learning to use it to make labels for quilts and even putting a bride and a groom on it with their wedding day. How many people have a quilt that has something like that on there? So to me, that's what's important is giving the customer a little extra and telling them this is what I'm going to do. And it's like, if you don't want me to do it, I won't. I have never yet had a person say, I don't like that idea, so don't do it. So when I talk about labels, they're like, oh, can you do that? And I said, well, I'm learning, so it's not going to be perfect. And sometimes if they want it on there before I had the embroidery machine, I'd use indelible pen, like a laundry marker sometimes. But getting that on there was important. Yeah. Now, you also have retreats. How long have you been doing the retreats? My first one was in October of last year, so October of 21. It's really kind of funny. I have never been to a quilt retreat. Never. Don't have a clue what's going on. But we don't have anything like that around this area to go to. You have to go pretty far. And across the road, oh, half a block away, this lady made some little cabins, or built them rather, for hunters. Because we get a lot of out-of-town and out-of-state hunters in this area. We have a big whitetail population and a great big sportsman's pits area. So we get people from all over. We don't have a motel. So she built these little cabins. And I was driving down at the end of the road one day and looked over at them. I said, you know what? I could put quilters in there. And so to speak, the idea was born. So I did a little research and I thought, hmm, what would I have to charge? Where could I do it? Because the cabins are just like a motel room. You don't have any place to really set up 30 or 40 women to sew. So the Christian church here in town, I used to go to, I talked to them told them what I wanted to do. The board approved it, got the date set, put it online. And within three weeks, I was booked solid. And I was just amazed how far they were coming. I had a lady coming from an hour south of Dallas. She says, this is fresh and new. She says, I like the idea you don't have any assumptions about what you expect. It worked out so well. And I thought, hmm, we're going to do this again. So we had one in April, and it wasn't quite full, but with everything, the war had just started really bad. 
overseas. People were a little frightened. Some of them just didn't want to be away from home right then. So I've got another one set up for September, and I've been advertising it. I've got six already made the commitment for it, and I'm going to start limiting it to 30. We had 40 the first time, and it was fun. It was lots of people there, but it was getting kind of crowded. There wasn't enough room to everybody to spread out like I had hoped there would be. You've only got finite space in a church hall anywhere you go. It was a learning process, and everybody kept saying, well, maybe if you did X, Y, and Z, or A, B, and C, then we could do this. So we learned how to turn the tables and what to have and how to feed them. The first time, this is, like I said, a small town. We have two restaurants. We have a little Mexican place here in town that has great food and a pizza hut. And we didn't feed them supper because the cabins come fully furnished, even with coffee, coffee pots, the whole nine yards. And I figured, well, when they got tired, they'd go back to their cabins and cook something or order chicken in or whatever. And one lady come up, she says, Connie, she says, I'm starving and I really don't want to quit sewing. And I said, well, I got leftovers in their fridge. And I mean, we got raided. I mean, just automatically everything was gone. So in April, we fed three meals a day and desserts. And I kind of laughed at one lady. I said, you better bring your stretchy britches because we're having mandarin orange cake. We're having lemon lasagna. We're having chocolate cookie sheet cake. We're having desserts to go with it because people get to sew and they get to talk and they, they want to stop and get a snack. They don't want to stop and maybe eat, but they want a little something to fill them up till supper time. So one lady come in and she had her sweatpants on and she pulled the waistband out. She says, now I got the biggest pair of stretchy britches I could find because she says, I gained six pounds the last time I was here. And I said, well, do I need to get out and run you around the mile? And she says, well, I thought about it. And I said, well, if you need to get out and walk, I said, the church has a great area outside to go walking in. So that was fun seeing her bringing her stretchy britches. So I put it in all of my advertisements for the retreat. When I advertise, I go everywhere. I had a lady from Virginia that wanted to come. She says, but that's a long drive. I said, well, grab a buddy and bring them over. I said, I'll give you a long distance discount. Just kind of laughed. And she says, really? I said, well, you're going to have to pay for a hotel the first night before you get here. I said, we open the cabins the day before sewing starts. So you've got time to get unpacked, set your sewing machines up, see the church, see what we're going to be doing and go from there. And she's like, well, I really don't have any friends. And I said, well, put something out on Facebook that you're wanting to go to a retreat. And if anybody in the area would be interested, maybe you guys could share expenses. And she says, oh, that's a good idea. So she was talking to a lady in the quilt guild where she's at. And she said, oh, I never heard of that place. And they got online and did some looking. And, of course, with gas prices, unfortunately, the way they are, she hasn't committed yet. She said, but I want to come so bad because I always put pictures out. Last April, the ladies that bought my long arm from me before, they were working on a project. And I said, okay, ladies, I'm going to take pictures if you don't mind. And she says, I don't mind, stuck her tongue out at me. I snapped a picture. And I have gotten more fun over that. We celebrated two birthdays, so if something important's going on, I try to find out, you know, are you having a birthday? Are you having a wedding anniversary? Are you whatever the reason so we can celebrate? And a couple of the late, well, three of them actually got in line and started doing the little French kick, you know, getting in line and doing the little 
lift their legs and doing all that fun stuff. Got my phone out, snapped pictures, and she's, oh, you didn't. And I said, I did, and I'm going to put it on Facebook. She goes, really? And I said, yeah. She goes, am I going to be famous? And I said, just as much as the tongue is. But when people see that you can go someplace and have fun and so and get to meet other people, it's amazing how much women connect with each other because we support each other. So that was my whole goal was to get to know other people, get to have a retreat. I had been to Handy Quilter Academy, which is a four-day long learning session in Salt Lake last year. And I'd never seen these people before, but I still communicate and text with these ladies because we share a love of quilting. One of them had never done a t-shirt quilt. She said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. So I popped out a picture of the Hawaiian t-shirt quilt that I made. And she goes, oh, you can do that? I said, so can you? So when she got home, she called me. She goes, I'm about to cut my son's favorite t-shirt up. I said, okay. And she goes, what if I screw it up? I said, then make a smaller block. Oh, well, hello. She thought they had to be a certain size, a certain height, a certain pattern. I said, honey, do anything you want. I've cut around things. One lady, bless her heart, sent me a box of scraps. She had cut around every design on the T-shirt in an oval pattern. Or if there was a Y hanging down, she cut around it. So I didn't have anything to make a block out of. So I did the best I could. Got some fabric out, applique them on. And that was one of the prettier quilts I'd done. It was just random, different cuts, different things. Some of them I had to trim up a little bit but I made different patterns out of them. It turned out beautiful. And she sent me a picture of the one that she had done. And I said, see there? I said, that is gorgeous. And she goes, my son just loved it. So he wants one for his kids. And I said, you can do it. You just have to learn how. And she said, I never would have had the courage to do it if you hadn't shown me how. You can always learn something from somebody. No matter what it is, even if it's learning how to use a seam ripper. I had one younger lady, I'd say in her 30s, that was using a seam ripper. And she sat down and was watching an older lady just rip right up a seam. And she dropped her jaw on the floor and she goes, do that again. And the lady said, do what? And she says, I didn't know you used a seam ripper like that. I do it picking them out one stitch at a time. And the older lady looked at her and she goes, well, show me a seam and I'll show you how to use it. So they took apart a perfectly good block to learn how somebody else used something as simple as a seam ripper. So that's one thing I want to do in the retreats is to be able to promote different ideas, different ways of doing things. Is this easier? Is this better? Does it save me time? Can I go back to my quill guild or my friends and say, oh, look what I learned at retreat. Look what so-and-so taught me. And these women walk around. They have no fear whatsoever. Well, some of them do about meeting a stranger. And there's four to a cabin, and sometimes they don't know one another. And when you share a cabin with somebody, you get kind of upfront and personal. So you don't have a lot of fear as far as running around in your jammies. Do I have to have my makeup on? Do I have to be dressed to the nines to go sew? I told one lady, come in your jammies if that's how you sew. She goes, I sew barefoot, and I said, I don't care. She goes, there was one place she went, we had to have our shoes on at all time. 
And I said, well, the only reason I could see would be if you stepped on a pen. And she goes, oh. I said, well, we're not always the best picker-uppers. And she goes, but I can go barefoot if I want to. And I said, it's up to you. But you step on a pen, that's your problem, not mine. I said, I do have a first aid kit. So we'll pull the pen out with some pliers and it was making her laugh about that. So it was really fun. But when they started eating, it was like they'd take the food back to their sewing machines. And she said, do we have to eat in the kitchen? I said, well, I don't have a real dining room. I said, I got some tables set up. You eat anywhere you want to. Some of them would go outside and sit on the swings. Some of them would go set at their sewing machines. I had ladies eating off of each other's plates because I didn't get any of that. I didn't think that looked like it tasted very good. You mentioned something like lemon lasagna or a mandarin orange cake that's kind of outside the ordinary of what you cook. Then they're like, lemon lasagna? You put spaghetti sauce with lemon? And it's like, no, it's <laughs> vanilla cookies with lemon pudding and Dream Whip with lemon zest on the top of it. Oh, I see. So you just make layers of this. I said, yeah. She goes, no, I never would have thought of that. So she said, that's my go-to now is a lemon lasagna and a mandarin orange cake. I said, you learned something. Not necessarily sewing, but you learned something. And they've had so much fun. And I have too, because just watching other people do this. Like I said, I've never been to a retreat. I'm going to go to one next year. I think it's in March up north by where my friend lives at McCormick Creek, but it's booked out two retreats in advance and you got to get on the waiting list. And I would like to get to that point where I have a waiting list. So there's always somebody wanting to come. So that's my focus is to get quilters together. Even if you don't quilt, come and see, come and learn, have fun. If you don't quilt, crochet, embroider, sit down and read a book and get away from everybody in the world and take a vacation for you. And one lady says, I can read. I said, honey, you can do anything you want to. Oh, I love to sew. But she says, I just like to sit out under the shade tree and read a book. I said, then take a break and go do that. You don't care, she said. And I said, sweetheart, it's your retreat. You do what you want to do. So she came. I can't remember now what book she brought. And she'd sew for a little bit. She'd get up and walk around, go outside and sit. They have a two fire pits over here at the cabins. One of the cabins holds six people. Well, I had a group of five together. And the lady from south of Dallas, I put in with them. I knew them from before. And she went to put her stuff in the refrigerator and <laughs> opened it up, took a picture and sent it to me. It was full of beer, wine coolers, wine. They planned on going out to the fire pits and having fun. And I said, you cannot drink on church property, but you can drink in the cabins, fire pits, do whatever you guys want to do. And there's five cabins. And pretty soon everybody was out there going, what are you guys doing? Well, we're making s'mores and drinking wine. Oh, I couldn't imagine drinking wine with chocolate and marshmallows and graham crackers, but, you know, everybody to their own taste. But they had an absolute blast. And that was one of the best reviews I'd gotten was we got together after the retreat and got to go outside and light a fire and have fun and get to know other people outside of the retreat. So 
that's my focus is getting people together, having fun, doing whatever they want to do. This is their time, their vacation. They get away from their husbands, their families, their work. They do what they want to do when they want to do it. And that's what this should be about is a quilt retreat should be refilling the soul, making it your time to be with you. Because family and friends and everything else, your job, sometimes you sit down at night and go, I've still got to mop the floor. I still got to do laundry. I need a vacation. And then all of a sudden, a retreat comes up and you're like, I can go do that. And it's a reasonable price. It's not very high. It's $275 for four nights and four days, fully fed, do anything you want to do and have fun doing it. I'm a lot cheaper than a lot of other places. A lot of places don't feed you. If you want to eat, you get up and go out and find you a restaurant. That was the biggest complaint I'd heard was we don't want to stop sewing to go 20 minutes to a restaurant, wait, sit, eat, come back, drive another 20 minutes because it interrupts the process. Mm -hmm. So when we started cooking, they were like, oh, my stars. And she said, can I make a recommendation? And I said, absolutely. So a lady sent me recipes for like lasagna in a crock pot. Boy Scout Sloppy Joes, people that have these other things that they go to that have these really neat food, I said, tell me what it is. We all get stuck in a rut, and I would love to do different dishes. So in September, it's going to be chicken and noodles, because I love chicken and noodles. But when you go to a restaurant, you don't get chicken and noodles, not unless it's a special at Cracker Barrel. One lady says, oh, I remember my mama making chicken and noodles. And I said, that's an idea. So I said, give me some other food ideas. They started shouting. I couldn't write fast enough. And we had a baked potato bar, which was really good. It was just different food than what they're used to. A variety, other options of what they had before. And they could still sit there, sew in their jammies and their bare feet eat lemon lasagna and corn chowder and have an absolute blast and exchange patterns, exchange ideas and promote quilting or sewing or vacations, whatever you want to do. That's my focus in having a retreat. Come, have fun, do whatever you want to do. How fun to get together with others. I'm assuming some people just come by themselves and other people come in groups. Yes, I have one lady that brings her three daughters and her husband, and we live in southeast Kansas. We're really close to the Oklahoma border. Within spitting distance, there's probably anywhere from 12 to 15 casinos, and her husband likes to go. He doesn't spend thousands of dollars at the casinos, but he goes and plays the penny machines, and it's fun for him. So he brought his wife and their three girls The mom's in her 70s. The girls are in their 30s and 40s. So dad got to go have fun. They got to come and have fun. Everybody was happy. One lady says, I don't want to travel with my family. I want to get away from them. I said, then do so. I said, but some people, you know, that was mom's birthday gift to them that year. Hey, let's go to a retreat in Kansas and see what it's about. Not sure they're going to get to come this time. Dad's got cancer now. Mm. So they're kind of staying close to home. She says, if anything changes, we definitely want a spot. And I said, well, even if I'm full, I said, we'll make room for you. 
you got to allow for their circumstances too. They may not always get to do what they want to do when they want to do it, but when they can, it's so much fun. I went on a bus trip with my quilt guild and two other quilt guilds to Missouri Star and had a blast. We played games on the bus. We did everything. So when I looked at my retreats, I thought, how fun is it to get some little silly giveaway, a zipper pouch you can put your rotary cutter in? So, oh, wow, that's cool. Well, how come she got one and I didn't? I said, well, her ticket was drawn and yours wasn't. She kind of thought for a minute. She goes, can you draw mine next time? And I went, if it's in the bag and I draw it, you'll win. But I don't fix or rig the drawings. Well, that's good because I wouldn't want to win all the time. And she just kind of (laughs) laughed. She goes, it'd be fun. But I think she wound up getting a new rotary cutter or something like that the last day. And I always try to do a big drawing at the end. The last two times we'd given away a $100 bill. I mean, if you're not spending that much on the retreat to begin with and you get $100 as a grand prize, we made the front page of the paper every time I've had a retreat. It's a small paper, yeah, but it gets in a whole county area and other places besides. So a lady from California said, I saw where so-and-so won the $100 bill. And I said, you're calling from California? And she goes, it's too far for me to come, but I wish I could. She goes, I've never won anything like that. And I said, well, I'm not guaranteeing you would if you came. She says, no, but just the thought of getting a gift or getting something fun like that is just amazing. So that's on her bucket list. Maybe not this year. Gas prices ever go down in California. I think she said they're like six eighty-five a gallon. I said, well, it's only four seventy-nine here. So the further you come, the cheaper it gets. She says, yeah, but I still have to get out of California first. <laughs> she just kind of laughed. It's just take time to enjoy yourself. Life is too short to be stuck to a rigid plan of the retreat says you come in, you sew, you get up, you go. Uh, No, sit around, have fun. If you don't want to sew, don't. Get up and see what everybody else is doing. One lady made a bench pillow with a bunch of chickens on it. I am not a chicken fan. Her pillow turned out so cute. And she says, I bought a kit and I don't buy kits. But this one was so adorable. And she says, I'm going to put it out on the patio. And she says, I think I like chickens. I said, well, I like these. So she passed it around. And every time someone finishes a project or a block, we have show and tell. I'll stand up, make an announcement. I said, hey, everybody, so-and-so's finished their quilt. Would you like to see it? Oh, it stops everything. Oh, I hadn't seen one like that. Or, wow, that's an interesting block. Where'd you find the pattern for that? The pride on their faces to see other quilters acknowledging their handiwork is amazing. It's like being a little kid and getting a gold star. It's just so much fun. And to think, how long did it take to acknowledge that person's work in a positive manner and let everybody else see how well they've done? I don't care if the seams are crooked. They did a great job. I told them all before, I will not have negativity. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. I want it to be an uplifting experience. I want them to have fun. I want them to connect with other people. A gentleman called me and he says, I'm a male quilter. I said, oh, okay. He says, 
I really don't want a room with a bunch of other women because my wife probably wouldn't <laughs> like it. And I said, well, I can understand that. I said, would your wife want to come with you? I said, there's lots of stuff to do in this area. And he says, I could if I had to, but I need a vacation too, you know. So I said, let me see what I can do. And I can't afford a cabin just for one gentleman. And he can't afford to pay for the whole thing. So I said, find some other guys, bring them along. I said, even if they don't quilt, there's fishing, there's hunting, there's, depending on the time of year, there's always something to do. Like I said, we're within spitting distance of casinos and we can do fishing. I got farm ponds. We name it. You, we can find something for them to do. Well, I'll have to get my fishing buddies together. But they might get mad because I don't go with them. I said, then leave them at home. Come by yourself. We'll figure something out. I said, I got a spare bedroom. You can bunk on the couch or in the back bedroom. He goes, now that's a thought. So I try to accommodate what everybody wants. And you can't please everybody all the time. I learned that really quick the hard way. But I try to please what I know they want. And that connection with other people, time away from home, learning things, doing things, and just having a great time. You don't have to have an epiphany every minute of the day. You just need to get with other people and similar interest. That's why you don't have bakers and construction people trying to do the same thing because their talents are different. And I keep telling everybody, your talent's different than mine. You make beautiful fill-in-the-blank quilts, and I do t-shirt quilts. So we're different, but we still do the same thing. Yeah. We still bring oxygen. We still eat food. We still have fun. And let's have some more fun together. So it's been a raging success so far. And I just can't wait to see what the next five years brings. Mainly, I'll be a lot older. <laughs> but I don't want to stop it. I don't want an abrupt end. I want everybody to continue to have fun. And I want to learn from everybody. That's part of my goal, too. What can I learn? What can I do better? What can I do next time to make it easier, quicker, faster, whatever for them to get here? One lady had a 1978, kind of like a Winnebago RV. That's 78, so it's how old. And it gets like four gallons to the mile. But she drove from western Kansas. And I said, the only thing you really have to watch is we have a road under construction. And she says, I saw that. She goes, which is the easiest way to go? And I said, well, the recommended route is. She goes, you live there. What's the quickest way to get there? I need to save fuel. So I told her, and I said, it's 45 miles an hour. It's a county road. It's blacktop. But when they say 45, they mean it. And she says, okay. And she got here. She parked under a shade tree every day. I paid for her to park out in Riverside Park where the Camp Siesta was for RVs. And it was beautiful out there. So one of the things I'd like to do is to just get a bunch of RVers in. There's 32 parking spots out there. Have them full. They can come and go to the river, to the park, come to the sow. But everybody I've talked to says an RVer really has to plan in advance, which I understand. You just don't pick up an RV and just decide to go across the country. So I'm trying to get that set up for next year. So hopefully next spring I can do an RVer retreat as well as a regular retreat. And you don't have to be from out of town. You can be local too. One lady says, well, I live 
30 minutes away. And I said, okay. She goes, but I want to stay in the cabins. I said, okay. She goes, is that okay? And I went, yeah, because I want you to enjoy yourself. Each cabin is decorated differently. You have the Alaskan cabin. You have the Vermont farmhouse. You have the hunting lodge. Different cabins do different things. And they're all handicapped accessible, which is the first thing I checked. Because some of these ladies are older. They don't want to have to climb steps. So all the showers are handicapped accessible. There's no getting in and out of tubs. One lady says, I can come because I don't have to climb stairs. So she brought her friend who was two years older than she was. And they brought their walkers, got up and down in the cabins, just great. Never had a problem. And she says, nobody ever advertises handicapped accessible. And I said, you know, I hadn't thought about it until someone had asked me. So I started putting that on all my retreats because I don't think just because you have to use a walker or a wheelchair doesn't mean you can't sew Mm -hmm. and can't go anywhere. Connie, tell me the name of your business and how did you come up with this name? My business name is River Run Quilts and Retreats. And we live next to the Neosho River here. And I've always liked watching the rivers. We'd parked next to the Mississippi one time traveling for the railroad. And I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. And they have one of the kingdoms that's called River Run. It's a beautiful kingdom. It's got lots of rivers. And I thought, oh, I could do that. It's not an impingement on anybody's name. It's like saying Blue Sky, as long as there's nobody else that has Blue Sky Retreats, LLC, or whatever. I can use that name. Got it through the state of Kansas, reserved it, got it, got my business license and everything. And it's like, hey, this is fun. (laughs) I like this because I didn't want to put Connie's quilting or George's retreats. I wanted something that drew the imagination that said, river run. Oh, wow. Are there castles and dragons? No, there's rivers and parks and sewers and quilters. Hmm. So no dragons. I went, sorry, guys. And she's like, well... They'd probably burn everything up anyway. So that's probably a good thing. <laughs> so it was just one of those flashes of inspiration, you know, like driving down by the cabin and saying, I can put quilters in there. So it grew from that. My UPS gentleman yesterday delivered my quilt keepers, and I was one of his first stops here in Oswego. We're a little town, but you can get lost. And he says, My wife saw your ad on Facebook. I said, Really? I said, Which one? And he goes, for quilts and I said well for the retreat or the quilts and he says t-shirt quilts I said oh yeah and he goes my wife was talking about it and said this lady lived in Oswego and he looked at my name and he goes well I delivered her all the time said she makes beautiful quilts so he came in and I showed him what I did and he says can I have my wife call you says our daughter's graduating in May and I would love to give her a quilt my wife is just adamant about it and I said hey I said that's great so I gave him a business card and she's supposed to call me next week when she gets the t-shirts together and come down and say oh my stars but you never know what a connection you make I never would have thought of giving the ups driver one of my business cards but his wife had seen the ad and was tickled pink to find somebody to do it so I've had local people come to the retreats and stay in the cabins and just turn their phones off when their family calls. It's a hiatus from hell on earth, I call it sometimes. When you deal with family, you just got to get away sometimes. Love them to death. I really do. 
but you got to have that break and you never know what a connection will bring you. I've got a good friend in Illinois that I met from a failed Zoom meeting I tried to have, but she is a good friend. She couldn't come last time. Her husband has cancer. He had an accident and fell in the shower and she didn't get to come. So she's coming this time and she said, I'm not missing it. If I have to drag him screaming and kicking all the way down here with me, we're coming. So she's already making plans. And then she's got two friends that go to retreats with her sometimes. One of them has leukemia now. And she says, I don't think this lady's going to be able to come. And I said, well, if she does, great. If she gets tired, we can make sure somebody takes her back to the cabins. I said, there's rooms we have couch beds in. She can lay down at the church, whatever makes her comfortable. She goes, well, she's not wanting to give up the retreats yet. I said, I don't blame her. I wouldn't want to either. So connections, it's just like the roots of a tree. You just never know what you're going to touch and what's going to grow from it. I'm going to go back here a second. You drove by the cabins and thought that was a great idea and checked it all out. And then you put it out there for people to sign up. Do you remember that first connection you got when someone wanted to come to your retreat? Actually, yes, I do. It was the ladies that bought my long arm when I upgraded because we have a ball when we get together. She goes, tell me about it. What's going on? And they had seen the cabins when they had drove up the last time, but they never paid any attention to it. So I showed them the website. I said, get on here and look and see what you think. And they called me back and she goes, we're signing up. Okay. She goes, we want the Vermont cabin. Okay. And she says, there's just two of us. I said, well, then there'll be two other people with you. She goes, are they going to be nice? And I said, I don't know a quilter who isn't nice, but uh, (laughs) I don't know until we meet and I don't assign cabins until almost getting time to be there. Cause then it's like, well, I don't know about, and I don't think, and it's like, I'm not spending Chinese checkers doing cabin assignments. We're going to do it once, maybe tweak something. But just them calling and saying, oh, my stars, can I tell the Quilt Guild? I said, absolutely. I'll send you some flyers. And she printed off some flyers and took them to her Quilt Guild. And I wound up with three more from her Quilt Guild out in western Kansas, out almost to Pratt, which is near the Colorado border. So they spend seven hours driving here. And the cabins, like I said, open the night before so they can rest. I don't want anybody coming in that morning after driving all night long and trying to sew. Ain't going to happen. So we opened up the cabins before. They got time to rest, piddle around, set their sewing machines up at the church. And those two ladies, when they called me, they were on speakerphone. And they were so busy talking over each other. I said, okay, one of you at a time. I can't understand you both. She says, we wanted to come. I said, okay, I'll send you an invoice. You pay the down payment. And then the rest is due before the retreat happens. And she goes, well, can I just pay it all at once? And I said, absolutely. So just to have those two ladies that excited about driving almost completely across the state to come to a retreat was just heart lifting to me. It was just so exciting to know that I could get the word out. People from Kansas City and Arkansas and Oklahoma and out by the Colorado line and One lady was going to come from Iowa, and her transmission went out of her car, so that ended that one. But it's that first thrill of success that just makes you want to keep going on. If I'd only had four or five people show up or call in the first time, probably wouldn't have done it again. 
but it's been a success. I want it to keep growing. I don't want to get so big that we can't do it. That's my biggest fear is I don't want to get everybody on a waiting list for three years and then go, oh, well, what circumstances can change in six to 12 to 13 months or 36 months? So it's something I wanted kind of within a few months. I didn't want them to have to sit and wait a year to get to come. So I think by limiting it to 30, there's more people that would be willing to come. I can fill the cabins nicely without dumping somebody into a closet and getting it to be more fun. So that first time was just like, I got off the phone and I was just dancing around going, what's the matter? And I said, I got my first two people for the retreat. He goes, oh, cool. He says, so how many more you got to go? And I said, shut up. (laughs) I said, we go from there. And like I said, within three weeks, I was full. We put it out in August. And by the October retreat, I was full by Labor Day. I couldn't get anybody else in the cabins and I took every property she had. So that was fun because she was excited about it too. And she says, I never would have thought about it. And I said, well, if I hadn't drove by and happened to look over and just see a sewing machine in my mind in that cabin, I thought, oh, what an idea. Great ideas comes from small inspirations. So you just do the best you can and go from there. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to keep on doing it. As long as I can get it done and I have the health and the will of God, I'm going to get her done. And tell us where we can find your business again. Okay, I'm on Facebook. It's under River Run Retreats or Connie George, and it has links to the cabins and everything else. So they can go on Facebook. I have my email listed and my phone number so they can call and find me. Thanks so much for sharing all this. It's great to hear about your business. Well, thank you for having me. I like to get the word out that we're in a small area, but you know what? We have lots of fun. Uh huh. Thanks so much, Connie. Well, thank you for having me again. I sure appreciate it, and I hope everybody gets the word out and we have a fun retreat and learn more about every other quilter we can find out about. That sounds wonderful. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.